0: Read me romance, read, read me romance, read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read me romance, read, read me romance. Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week at Read Me Romance. We have got Abby Knox this week with us, and she's brought us a book called Roadside Attraction, and it's cute as fuck. Most of her stuff is like, that's how I would describe most of her books. Cute as fuck. Yeah, definitely. And she's the best too. Um, Yeah. So she lives in my town with me. We met randomly a few years ago and it just so happened that we both wrote romance. Like it was just crazy how it happened. So I went to our local bookstore called Edition and she came with me the last time I went. And one of the owners there asked if I would come do a book signing. She was like, would you guys, you know, you and your writing partner, because she knows I like, we write together. She said, would you and your writing partner be, like, open to coming and doing book signing? I was like, I don't know. I was like, my writing partner lives in Missouri. I said, nobody would come to this. Like, I, I said, <laughs> like, nobody's going to go. And she was like, it's okay. Like, we have really small authors that nobody comes, she said. But sometimes, like, people, because it's a coffee house and a bookstore. And she said, a lot of times people come in and they just talk to them. And she yeah. said we always send people their way whenever they're at the like, the coffee, like, you know, the counter, or whatever. She was like, they'll come order a drink and we're like, hey, we have an, an author, a local author here today, if you'll go speak to him. And I was like, Okay. Like maybe. And she was just so nice and like one of those people that I could tell, like, she was just being so sweet. I couldn't tell her no. You know, because yeah. it was she was like so this would just really help us out a lot and it would be so great to have you here and you're a local author and we're so proud and i was just like
1: okay. i love okay, that bye. i know you she were was guilty. so sweet
0: but it'll be fun
1: it's always you always i always get nervous between before mm-hmm. stuff but then once so you're nervous. there and other readers are there mm-hmm. it's like yeah this is wonderful
0: i know abby was there and i was like hey you want to do this with me she was like i don't know you <laughs> <laughs> he was just like just like moonwalking back she was like fuck you <laughs> Like, she got out of there as fast as she could. So she was like, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> you know, she kind of has the same apprehensions you do about stuff like that, where she's just like, oh, no, 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 no. And I don't know. Like, it's it's nerve-wracking, but at least this one's, like, super casual. Like, yeah. it's not a huge event. It's not a ton of people. I don't have to dress up. It's not, like, ten boxes of swag I have to carry in heels. You know, yeah. like, it's not the, the physical laboring shit of, like, a huge signing. I mean, that's a lot of work and it takes months to prepare for it. And she was like, yeah, just, you know, send us the, the link to your, you know, your number or to your like barcodes on your books and we'll just order them. And like, it was all very easy. I was like, okay. <laughs> so if you're listening fun. and you want to come, it's in November. It's November 6th. It's a Saturday. It's here in North Carolina. Come see it. <laughs> So, I've invited Mel. I don't know if she'll come.
1: I haven't gone anywhere. I was supposed to go on a few trips, that I canceled. <laughs> I know. I know.
0: I think that's why I'm, like, okay with this one, just because, like, it's local. It's just me. You know, it's not like it's a ton of other authors that are going to go. Like, I'd be nervous to, to go to a big signing. I would. Yeah. Or, you know, like, seeing a ton of people. I just don't think that many people will come, you know.
1: I don't think COVID's helped with my anxiety either, I was like, <laughs> to a point where I was, like, getting yeah. used to having to be out there all the time, mm-hmm. and now it's, like, I got to push myself mm-hmm. back yeah. into the exclusion, and now I'm, like, what? I'm not coming I got there. Well, and, you know, to be
0: fair, you didn't enjoy book signings in general. I mean, you enjoy talking to readers, but, like, everything that led up to that, you were just, like, big nope. I think no. if you could just go in a room and sit down with readers, you would love that. But it's, yeah. there's, that's not all that goes with it. And right I now. totally respect it because I don't like it. And I like people and I like, you know, <laughs> I like being around things and I like parties and stuff like that. And it's still, it gives me anxiety, you know? Yeah. So I know if I struggle with it, I can't imagine what it's like for you. It's probably not great. So I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to do this little one and see how she goes. I've done one signing without you before and I hated it. And I remember I came home and I was like crying and I was like, I'm never fucking doing that again. I think I told you that. I think I called you after the signing and I was crying and I was like, I'm never doing that again. How could you do that to me? (laughs) And You were like, bitch, you said you wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah all right i have um a question and it's more of like a confession too and i just like um if my mom is listening could you just like maybe turn us off for a while Uh, so are you ever like rubbing one out and like a random person pops in your head and then you can't get them out and then it's like so i accidentally came thinking about john stamos yesterday (laughs)
1: actually mine are faceless like i don't think i masturbate even when i've had celebrity crushes
0: i have zero attraction to john stamos let me be clear but uncle jesse he made her he made a laugh in my head yesterday at a pivotal moment i love it why where the fuck did that um, was this like some repressed childhood attraction? Probably. Like, yeah, when I was like some kind of teenage thing, where I was like, "That mullet is so nice." <laughs> <laughs> Mullet's are back. I
1: know. We just had to go away Oh god. <laughs> but like, no. Now that I think of it, I don't think I think of anybody.
0: It's never a person. It's never like a celebrity. I, I just don't think of that. I want like a situation. A situation. Yeah, that, it's that, a that situation. It's not yeah. a
1: person. Mm-hmm
0: yeah but for some reason this he just walked through and hung out he's like you know what what's going on here I think I'll stay and I was just like no and then as as I'm reaching the peak pivotal moment I just started laughing because I'm literally thinking of John Stamos and I can't get him out of my fucking head that's wonderful
1: Why? Why? Why does this happen? I haven't even thought about him in... God. Me either! I I thought he was dead! (laughs) Like, what When? When did this happen? Uh,
0: What is wrong with my vagina?
1: (laughs) I I don't even try to answer that
0: question. What's wrong with my vagina? (laughs) No. No. Like, she is in intense therapy. But, like... You know, if this happens to you, write us and let us know. I'd love <laughs> to know about a moment when the wrong person popped into your head at that wrong moment. The wrong person at the wrong moment. And that's I what know, John Stamos no! was to me yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I was serious. Like, I just started laughing because I was just like, really? You just totally <laughs> fucked this up. <laughs> it, just, it was comical. It wasn't even hot. That's <laughs> it's amazing. So stupid. I hate myself all right let's do some lady listener emails all
1: right i have several
0: all right hey ladies not sure if you're still looking for fantasies but i wanted to share mine anyways it is a it's not a sexual fantasy but man doesn't make me all giddy inside my biggest fantasy right now is for my husband to surprise me with a house a house
1: I want talking I just love
0: surprises. <laughs> there is something in my man. There is something in my man knowing exactly what I want and just doing it that makes me excited. Hopefully, there's others that can relate. Anyways, thanks for doing what you do. You're amazing. P.S. You can say my name if you want. It's pronounced Tanya. There you go. Tanya, if you're. Titan is listening, she needs a house. Yeah, turn this on and play it for your man. Hit rewinds and be like I would be terrified.
1: Like I feel like Rob really knows me, Mm -hmm. but I do not want him to pick out our house by himself.
0: My husband would pick out a perfect house. I would say like I'd yeah. He picked out this house and I didn't want it. And I
1: was like, I don't even think that I know what the perfect house is. I would have to start looking myself. Because I feel like when I start looking, I find things I like, and now I need to be involved in this process.
0: I think my husband knows me well enough, and our styles are very similar. Like, we're both, like, turn of the century, art deco, like, you know, around that time, like, anything that's in that wheelhouse. And even, like, our decor, I think, is more, like, artistic, maybe? Like, some of the things we have up, like, we have a lot of paintings and stuff like that. Like, I think we both agree. Like, that's just sort of our style. So, if he were to just go pick out a house, I'd love it. Yeah. I think that would happen. Although, I can't imagine him making such a huge fucking purchase without telling
1: me. Now, my dinner, he could perk out pick out, like, perfectly. Like, I even go to restaurants and have him surprise order for me. That's fine.
0: That's a good one. That's a good but one. But you're
1: not picking the house.
0: <laughs> Do you know what's funny though? There's actually a house like two streets back that's for sale right now. And it's like, oh God, I want it. It's Don't. not done. It's like it's, a, like, it's a good job. It's a good Don't. job. Get but away. It's so you're done. beautiful. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, listen, I, there's no way I couldn't leave this house. I just want to do it, just to see it done, because it's such a beautiful house, and I yeah. just love to see it preserved. But all right, next email. Hey, lady DJs. I'm getting caught up on the show, and I'm on May Harden's week. I know I'm way behind, but the Rona DV, DV is kicking this nurse's ass. Oh, the Delta variant um, is kicking this nurse's ass. Oh my God. Okay, listen. Your name is Lisa. Lisa. Thank you for being a nurse and doing this and putting yourself out there and taking care of everyone. You deserve yes. all the things. All the things. If your husband, play this for your husband right now. If you're hearing this husband, you get her a really nice fucking present. Or maybe it's your wife. Whoever it is, go, tell them you a nice present. Anyways, I read a book that's been out for a few weeks that had a pool scene. Wow. I was speechless. The book was Hampton's Heartbreak by Tara Lee. I read several books. Uh, I read several books a week, and that pool scene still lives in my brain. And pool sex is not ever good in real life, but on the pool deck can be crazy good. Also, Leah, start outside, start outside of the shower, and finish in the shower. Yep, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love this email.
0: Then y'all talked about being single. I'm 46. I have a career. I've created my own family and circle and friend circle. It's not that. It's not that these men want to rescue someone. I think the problem is in and out instant gratification era men. Oh, in our instant gratification era men and women are always looking for something better. There's no appreciation for what they have in the apps to tell them to look for different is right at their fingertips. Then it turns into playing all those games and I don't need or want that drama in my life. I seriously think I need a matchmaker. Fuck your day up, Lisa. Oh, this is what pursue what set your on for. Um, okay. So don't play this for your husband, obviously, <laughs> but I think that's a super valid point about relationships that it's like, oh, yeah. if you're look, if you're, you know, this instant gratification that, you know, we've become it, it, she made such a great point about, you know, if you're always looking for something better and it's right at your fingertips, why would you stay in a relationship? You know, it's
1: true. Gosh.
0: You know, and it goes back to our other discussion a few episodes back, too, where we talked about, like, this is really the first generation of women that does not need a man. So, like, she says, I'm just going to wait on quality, you know, or, like, to wait on the right person to be with, because why else would you fuck around? Yeah, sure. So, okay, so send this, so play this podcast for your mom or your sisters or your friends and just say, buy me a really, buy Lisa a really nice Christmas present, okay? She deserves it. All right. This one says the universe is working against me. Hey, lady podcasters, longtime lady listener, first time emailer. I'm going to tell you a small story of how sex can go wrong. And if ladies can get blue balls, I have them. Oh, hello. (laughs) Let me give you a little backstory on me and my husband. We've been together for 13 years. I'm 29 and he's 31. Most of our lives has been spent together. Last night, my husband wanted to have sex. Oh, this is like, she's on she's the next day. She's the only male, male in this. Last night, my husband wanted to have sex. Cool. I'm usually always down for that. Except last night, he just grabbed me and started going for it. I, it did nothing for me. <laughs> I was so embarrassed, except my sweet man was understanding and said, babe, it's late. Let's get some sleep and we'll finish tomorrow. This morning, I wake up a little early. Go primp like a newlywed who doesn't want her husband to know she's waking up. (laughs) This morning, I wake up and wakes up looking like a troll. I go back in the room and hello, good morning, Wood. I wake him up being all cute and things are being all cute and things for me are great. Um, not bad for him either. I should add when you've learned how someone's body works, things get good and get good fast. I'm really, really into it. My husband has the hottest sex face on until it happens. Charlie horse. He literally just goes stiff, yells, oh shit. And then falls on my leg. So I'm laying there. My legs folded like a chicken wing, trying not to laugh. My (sighs) husband is laughing now too. He keeps apologizing and laughing. And honestly, I can't stop laughing either. It's like the universe is working against me to have sex. Then I looked at the time and I have to get ready for work. And he said, well, babe, at least we'll both have blue balls for the next 12 hours today. <laughs> he's, not wor- he's not wrong. I think if there was an episode today, I'd combust. Here's hoping tonight goes for a little better for both of us. So, ladies, uh, the universe hates me, and I swear the hu- the husband and I better have zero issues tonight. Oh, my love, lady listener. Oh, my God. The- I'm... <laughs> I've had that happen before. A Charlie horse? Yep. Like, my husband has, like, sciatica. So, like, it's, uh, like, a nerve that goes from, like, your neck to your foot or wherever. Maybe it's your ass to your foot. It's, like, on one whole side of the body, though. Like, when it cramps up, it's super, super painful. And so, that's, like, happened before where it was just like, oh, guess we're not doing that now. <laughs> like, right in the middle of it. Just like, oh, that gets, that's over. <laughs> it's talks <laughs> but you know me it happens to everybody this is what happens when you're you know you're married for how long were they together 13 years yeah i've been with my husband almost 15 years like this shit happens okay this one i've had printed out for a while it's a little bit long but i loved it and i wanted to read it especially reading it last day so embarrassed stories try to keep me anonymous might not be possible because i already talked about it in the facebook group all right <laughs> So I have three. The first one is funny because it still makes me laugh. Once I was on top, reverse cowgirling the hell out of my husband, and he wanted to switch around and do regular cowgirl. I swung my leg over him, and because we were so close to the edge of my bed, my momentum whipping my leg around caused me to flip myself right over the edge of the bed. (laughs) I basically cartwheeled off his dick. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Car wheeled off his dick and landed in a heap on the floor next to the bed. It was so hard to finish that night because I kept laughing when I thought about it. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that makes my cheeks hurt. The second story is pure mortification. Husband got transferred to Houston and I had to stay behind for a few months to sell the house and finish the school year with the kids. It was only supposed to be four months, but it ended up being seven emoji yucky (laughs) face. Anyway, we like to sext and send a random naked picture to each other. And he asked me to send one, forgetting that he was on a group chat with my mom and my sisters. (gasps) When I say he asked me to send one to him. That was putting it nicely. He sent me some very descriptive, filthy shit talking about what he would do to me when he saw me next and how he was going to make me come so hard. One of my sisters laughed it off and still teases me about it. The other one, more conservative sisters, said, Well, that was interesting and let yeah. it go. <laughs> and my mom and I have never talked about it ever. <laughs> oh, that's so embarrassing oh, oh my for God. him. The last one about my South American uncircumcised husband is a little more uncomfortable. So when that UK listener talked about losing her virginity, it took me back to my husband and I losing our virginities together. And we were both unprepared for what would happen. I mean, up until that point, he was in possession of his own dick for 24 years. Shouldn't he know what would happen if he gets hard? But I guess he had never been that hard before.
2: That's so hot. Oh that's Props adorable.
0: I know, uh, right? Props to him getting that hard and being uncomfortable for a while to make sure I was enjoying everything for our first time. Am I right? Anyway, the point is that we were figuring this out together. After the first round, he pulled out and said it really hurts, and I could see that the foreskin had been caught behind the head of his penis and was stuck there because it was because of his very tight foreskin. I went to grab it and pull it down to help when he started shrieking and flapping his hands like a bird. <laughs>
1: I think his hands
0: like a birdie, trying to take flight and telling me not to touch it. He was in serious pain and didn't want to touch it himself. The poor head was just getting more and more red, like a cock ring just on the tip. The poor guy. Luckily, the pain was enough to distract him and make the blood drain from his dick, and he was able to ease the foreskin down into the right place. I was super confused about everything because he was acting like he had never seen his own dick behave like this before, which I guess it never had. But like I said before, it was his own dick. Didn't he know how it worked? <laughs> he should know better. He should know more about his dick than me, right? And I was, and I was a super virgin and never even had my hand on another dick before his. So I was of no use to him about what was going on and nothing to compare it to. And I guess he didn't have anything to compare it to either because of his virgin status as well. While he didn't need an emergency circumcision, maybe he would have been better off getting one because every once in a while, his foreskin will get caught and then crack. Oh, like no joke. So that UK friend should know she did that guy a favor. Moral of the story, the night in our sex lives ended up being fine, but I will never ever get the picture of his confused face followed by flappy bird hands out of my mind. Make today your bitch. <laughs>
1: that's amazing
0: lappy bird hands took me the fuck out that was so good so good oh my god all right let me tell you what we got for abby knox this week (laughs) i love it abby if you're listening i hope you can appreciate just the the random roller coaster we've been on with you this week and thank you so much for being with us and i love you And if you don't like this episode, you can, I'll buy you coffee or something. I don't know. Just, just tell me when you see me and I'll be like, what? I don't know. (laughs) So anyways, um, Abby's giveaway this week is a $50 Ulta gift card that I'm going to win. An exclusive Ulta Gilmore Girls night in gift set and a Children's Academy makeup pouch and blue plaid. The Gilmore Girls set from Ulta includes under eye cooling balm, lip scrub, facial mist, universal balm, and tinted lip oil. Um, she's got book two in the Roadside Attraction series. It's called Claiming Fate that is out now. You'll get uh, an epilogue of this story. You'll get, oh, actually what she told me about with this book, Roadside Attraction, she had to shorten it to fit the, the podcast time frame that we need. And so in the ebook, she is actually a lot more to the story that she had to, there was just a bunch she had to cut to make like the word count. So if you grab the ebook, you get like a ton more to this story that you're listening to and there's epilogues and all this good stuff. And she introduces the couple that's in the next book. Nice. So make sure you grab grab Claiming Fate now. It's out today. And don't forget, I know I mentioned it last time, but The Great British Baking Show is coming back. So it's the perfect time to read her Homemade Heat series because the first book in it is called Judge Me. And it's inspired by The Great British Baking Show. And it's got Paul Hollywood as like the leading guy. He's got steely blue eyes and gray hair. It's so fucking hot. So anyways, let's play the second
1: installment. Let's do it. We'll see you guys on the other side. Chapter 7.
2: Juniper. After the single greatest burger of my life, I experience the greatest shower of my life. The hot water spray cleans away all the tension and worry that ruled my life up until now. After the shower and an epic nap, I'm surprised to see Rex is still home when I come back downstairs. He stands when I step out onto the porch, and I notice how different he seems. Hair combed, clean shirt, fresh shave. He looks like a guy who's getting ready for a date. I thought you'd be back at work now that I'm safely tucked away, I remark. I notice his eyes roaming down my body, and I'm suddenly very aware that I'm in my bathrobe. His gaze seems to land on the spot where my hair drips water down my cleavage. No more cars to work on today, and I'd much rather be here to keep an eye on you. The idea that he's missing work makes me feel guilty. Yet the thought of his protectiveness floods me with warmth. But what if someone needs a toe or breaks down again? Then I'll get a phone call from the sheriff. You hungry? I shake my head and smile. No, those are not hunger pangs, but butterflies in my stomach. Rex looks disappointed, though only for half a second. He recovers, not letting me see his hopes dashed. But I'd love to go for a walk. I've been driving for days. Some fresh air would do me good. Rex smiles for the first time since we met. I'm ready when you are. Minutes later, I'm wearing my cutest summer skirt and frilly sleeveless top. My hair may still be wet because I skipped town without my hairdryer. But other than that, I am very much aware that I look like a woman who is about to go on a date. As I stroll around the mostly abandoned downtown square with Rex and Flash, it feels very much like a date. I listen as Rex tells me about the history of fate. Now, pretty much all we have is the curiosity spot, which ain't much of a curiosity, Rex says. I look up at him warily as we walk. Do I want to know what that is? When he laughs, my soul stirs. It's a hill out back of Ernestine's farmhouse. When you stand on the top, your compass goes wonky. I make a mental note to try out the curiosity spot before I leave town. Some folks think we should do something to get the attention of the Guinness Book of World Records, but that seems far fetched to me. I smirk. Like the world's largest ball of rubber bands? Yeah, he replies. People are already talking about selling souvenirs, but they don't even have the thing yet. What happened there, I say, as we pass a brick building with boarded-up windows. That's the textile mill. Not much to see there. I take a step closer, admiring the details. I love old buildings. I slip my hand in his and say, I'd love to see it inside. Rex hesitates. It's off-limits. The town attorney says, I step in front of him. You are the mayor, aren't you? I'm not ashamed to admit I bat my eyelashes at him. What do you say, Flash? Rex asks the official mayor, yet never taking his eyes off me. Flash understands what I want and trots over to the chained front doors. Rex grumbles, but gives in. Can't go that way. I don't have a key, but come on, I have an idea. Around the back of the building, we sneak inside through a loose board behind some overgrown bushes. Watch your step, Rex says, taking my hand. His touch reminds me of our wrestling match earlier, when he'd had my wrists pinned to my car. My body hums at the memory of that tense closeness. Once inside, it takes several minutes for my eyes to adjust to the dim light. When I do, however, it looks bigger inside than it does outside. In front of me, I see something so unexpected that I gasp. He asks, what is it? My mind reels for a minute and I have an idea. It might work or it might not, but I need to speak it. I know what you're supposed to do now, I say, turning to him. I didn't ask for a kiss, but that's what I get. There in the dusty dark space, this man cups my face and kisses me so tenderly, my body ignites with need. I pull away and tell him, I I meant about the Guinness Book of World Records thing. I have an idea. Rex's wide brown eyes are full of confusion. What's your idea? I tell him, and he studies me with interest. I can see how that might work, he replies, looking over at the thing that I see. Oh, it'll work. People will stop and take pictures of just about anything. Rex returns his gaze to me and says, wait, you don't want me? To kiss you i smile up at him shyly no i definitely want you to kiss me good rex's arms go around my waist and cinch me close our mouths come together in a more heated kiss this time and it's not long before i'm letting him slide his tongue against mine i probe his mouth with my tongue and his hands drag down my back my nipples harden against his chest I would feel embarrassed by how turned on I am. But then that familiar pressure against my pelvic bone reminds me I'm not alone. When his thick fingers dig into my hips, I let out a small moan of pleasure into his mouth. His hands travel lower, cupping my cheeks, our mouths still exploring, tongues diving and teasing and tasting. He's somehow gentle and forceful at the same time, threatening to undo me. It would take no effort at all to lose this gauzy skirt. Are we about to have sex in a dirty, abandoned building? Sure. Why not? My hands grab fistfuls of Rex's shirt when his firm fingers brush over the split between my cheeks. I whimper when he pulls away from the kiss. I wanted you the second I saw you. Even as you pointed that gun at me. I wanted you in my bed. I knew. I shouldn't cut him off with a kiss, but I'm so worked up I need his lips on me again. And I need to feel his bare skin. My hands roam under his shirt and press against his firm midsection. Rex lets out a low groan as my greedy hands brush over his chest and down to his pleasure trail. I'm not expecting him to interrupt my explorations by taking my hands in his and resting them on his shoulders, Keep your hands out of the way so I can pet you. Has he met me? He should know I don't like men telling me what to do. But I can't help it. My pussy does enjoy being bossed around because it's wrecking my undies at the moment. When his big mitts cover both my breasts, yet more moisture pools between my thighs. My nipples react, sensitive and taut. Rex's thumbs strum the tight peaks, then make circles around them as our joined pelvises create a wicked friction so hot it could light up this abandoned building. His hand slides down inside my skirt's waistband, slowly dragging from my ass to my front while his mouth tantalizes me with hot wet kisses down my neck. His fingers slide and tug at my panties. That rough skin against my pussies makes me twitch. Pulling away from the kiss, both of us breathless, he asks, All good. To my surprise, I blurt out, no. He can't hide the disappointment in his eyes, but he's a gentleman. Okay. I smile, scolding myself for teasing him. You want me in your bed? You need to take me to your bed first. Chapter 8. Rex. What Juniper wants, Juniper gets. It just so happens that our wants are aligned. She drives that fact home when she peels off her top and drops her skirt, turning away from me to toss her things in a pile on my bedroom floor. I see the bruise. By the color, I'd say it's about three days old. I step toward her, and she gasps as I pull her into my lap, facing away from me. With my arm around her waist, I gingerly trace the discoloration. You want to tell me about this, Mark? She shivers against me. My husband. My body stiffens. I'm such an ass never asking if she's married. I didn't see a ring. I'm sorry, but if you're married, then we can't. It's over. Roy was his name. In our last argument, I fell. No. He pushed me, and I fell. Hit the corner of the coffee table. Rage builds inside my chest. No, rage is what the Hulk feels. This bubble that rises inside me is that times a thousand. I'll fucking kill him if he shows his face around here. Already taken care of. I word my next question carefully. And how? He owed back rent to his brother, Jimmy Earl. To settle up? Jimmy Earl made Roy an offer. One night with me. Roy balked. But once that idea got into Jimmy Earl's head, he never let it go. The two idiots got into it one night, both drunk, and brought their guns out. Jimmy Earl shot Roy, and I got the hell out of Dodge. If those two chuckleheads had been thinking straight, Roy could have counteroffered that stupid car. Well, now he's got a dead brother and no title. And I still got problems. I fold my juniper into my arms and slowly kiss her everywhere. Her pretty shoulders, her soft neck. Down her spine and carefully over the bruise. That's all my problem now, you understand me? Her body trembles. And I am momentarily lost in her softness against my bigger, ungainly body. She turns her head to the side and looks up at me with trusting eyes, For the next week, anyway. Until my car part arrives, right? Does she not see how this is turning into something else already? I cage her in my arms and pull her tight against me. Does this hurt when I do this? Juniper shakes her head, her eyes still on me. I speak low against her cheek, close to her ear, as I clutch her to me. Listen, I'm keeping you. When the troubles are over, I'm gonna keep on keeping you. I kiss her shoulder, trailing a path up her neck and against her nape. My muscles tighten as I watch the chill bumps rise across her skin and listen to her sigh, her body melting into me. Rex, in my bed, for as long as you'll let me, I'm keeping you. I slide one hand inside her bra and the other inside the band of her cotton underwear. I slip one finger in between her folds, slick with her wetness. Oh. Her voice comes out raspy. I keep kissing her everywhere I can reach while my filthy fingers squeeze her nipple and nudge her lower lips apart. I need to feel her everywhere. I need her to stay and I'll do everything in my power to convince her. At the first swipe of my finger across her clit, Juniper's body stiffens against me. I pause my hand and whisper, let go, Juniper. I can't let me help you. Do you trust me? It's a lot to ask, after what she's been through. I, yes, yes, I trust you, Rex. I wouldn't blame her if she'd said no. But far from saying no, Juniper arches her back, pressing her lovely breasts into my hand. My finger massages a circle around her clit. A squeak and a moan escape her throat as her release takes hold of her. I hold her to me as she shudders. Then her face turns to the side, sweetly nudging me as she strains for a kiss. Swiftly, I lay juniper on her back and nestle in between her legs. I take her mouth in a searing kiss, owning it, claiming it for me. Pinning her under me, I lose myself in her mouth, her scent, her hair. Her arms and legs wrap me up tight, just where I need to be. Her body and soul claim me. I belong to no one but her. I have to tell you something, Rex, Juniper murmurs between kisses. That was the first time anybody ever, I mean, I've never finished before. Thank you for letting me do that for you, Juniper. Her smile goes from shy to bright in half a second. We'll have to make that happen again sometime, she says. I don't want to keep talking. I just want to do all the things with her. Sometime. How about now, Sugar? Her eyes go wide. You can repeat that? Now? I smile down at her and kiss her sweet face. I could. But I'd like to use my mouth instead. Her nostrils flare, her eyes flash. You never. I cut her off with another probing, hungry kiss. I know, sweetheart. I know the type. He probably told you lots of things. When I'm done with you, you won't ever be saying his name ever again. You won't remember any other man. And no other man's name will ever come out of your mouth. You understand me? She bites her lip and I can't stop myself. I have to kiss her again. And then her hand smooths over the bulge in my boxer briefs. Don't you want to? That can wait. I'm going to show you how a real man takes care of his woman. She nods, and she pulls me down for one more kiss before shedding her bra and panties. If it's too much, you tell me to stop. And if you need something to hang on to, you can grab onto my hair. I don't mind. Without another word from her, I plunge my face between her thighs, kissing her soft, sensitive folds, drinking in her sweet, dripping honey, licking from her bottom up to her clit. Her next climax comes quickly, brought on by my mouth sucking around her tight button. The next one takes a little longer as I curl my tongue into her welcoming heat, massaging the hidden inner muscles in just the right spot. When Juniper cries out again, I nearly explode in my drawers. This third time, she shouts my name and her body bucks against me. I hold her tight to me kissing her mouth to share her taste as her aftershocks roll through her. Chapter 9. Juniper. This big fellow between my legs just made me come three times in mere minutes. I didn't think it was possible. I also never thought I could trust a man again. I might be fooling myself, but I don't think so. Roy once said a woman's orgasm was a myth. Then he also said real men don't go down on a woman. I didn't believe it, but I never dared question him out loud. Mostly, my now-dead husband made me feel small. Not Rex. I feel powerful and strong, full of possibilities, ideas, opinions. I feel like the person I always knew I could be. I look down and see the thing that's been leaving an indent in my pelvis. Rex's long rigid cock twitches when my eyes lock onto it. Reaching down, I take it in my two hands while Rex sucks his breath in through his teeth and curses quietly. The skin is soft and velvety around a steely center. I realize this is the first time I've really looked at one. I feel silly saying it out loud, but I know Rex won't laugh at me. It's big. With hooded eyes, he replies, it's yours. I'm yours. Mine. I hardly know what to do with one this size. Do you, do you want to finish in my mouth? Rex growls. All I want is to get lost inside you, stretch you while you squeeze me until I burst. I don't know what to say. I just let the words roll all over me triggering all sorts of fantastic, slutty ideas. I can get a condom, he says, taking my silence as hesitation. I use an IUD and I'm clean. No one has touched me in years. He smiles in understanding. Shame, Except for the IUD. We laugh together, and I'm amazed at how calm I feel. Who knew that grown-ass humans could actually talk like adults during sex? With his eyes on me, Rex guides himself into my heat, slowly stretching. His mouth and tongue tease my nipples, helping me take all of him. I've never felt so cared for or so full. The slide in and out feels delicious, made even more so as he tenderly kisses me through it. Where did he come from? He thrusts, gauging my reaction and underlining every movement inside me with a kiss. The deeper, more fervent his thrusts, the more passionate he kisses me. I've never felt so cherished. The two of us looking each other in the eye is a gift. It's so intimate, I have to work hard to fight off tears. Too often, I've wished to escape my circumstances, even escape my own body during sex. Rex has given me the gift of myself. Chapter 10, Juniper. This could work, Rex says, looking over my chicken scratch sketch on the diner napkin. I sip my chocolate milkshake and smile as Rex looks over my business plan for the town. I know a few things about yarn, and we'd have to take precautions against moths and bad weather. But I think it could work. Rex scratches his head. If we could get the mill back up and running, we could make more yarn. And that would be something. I beam at him. It just so happens I used to know how to work machines like that, on a much smaller scale, but I can do it. Ruby comes by to refill our waters and peers down at the napkins. And when she you get there, plans for a nursery. I blush. Ruby winks. This is the fifth night in a row that Rex and I have shared dinner at the diner. I ordered the salad because my jeans are starting to feel tight, despite our exciting bedroom activities. Rex looks up and explains everything we've talked about. I expect Ruby to be skeptical, but she smiles, and I can see the wheels turning in her head. Then she pivots and calls out across the room, "Billy Jane, didn't you say something about a knitting club? A tall woman who's knitting a sweater nods her head. Yes, we meet every Saturday morning. Why, you two need a baby blanket? My blushing has turned to a full-on furnace. Ruby steps in and explains the situation. Billy Jane squints, nods. And then after the three of us have explained the entire thing, she says, Yes, yes, we'd be happy to contribute. I'd love to have something in our town that nobody else has. Let's do it. I'm so thrilled about it that I'm thrown off course by what Rex says next, That's why I added you to the agenda for the next town meeting. You're going to present your idea. What? Me? Why? Ruby exclaims, because it's your idea, sweetie. I shake my head. I don't even live here. Ruby raises an eyebrow. You sure about that? Rex, you're the mayor. You do it. He sits back and crosses his arms over his chest. Flesh is the mayor. He says you need to take credit for your idea. I look between Ruby and Rex and down at Flash, who's looking up at me with his big dopey dog smile. All of you are gonna help me with this, right? Rex holds up his hands. I'm not allowed to since I vote on Flash's behalf. Ruby and Billy Jane cut in with offers of help. Moments later, the three of us are huddled around a table, while Rex has left to work on my car. Apparently, my car part has arrived. But I have a feeling I'll be staying in Fate a little longer. Chapter 11. Rex. I can't believe this crew's coming together to make a decision. These monthly meetings draw the entire town to the Fate Elementary School Auditorium. Not like there's much else to do on a Wednesday night in Fate. After hearing Juniper's ideas, the town jumps on board. We're going to make the world's biggest ball of yarn. The question I have, says Ernestine, is how do we know this person is going to stick around to see this thing through? Didn't she just stumble into our town a few days ago? No offense, dear. Fate might be a tiny place of no significance, but we do have our dignity. If this turns into a half baked project and we never reap the benefits, well, you see where I'm going with this. I can't blame Ernestine for being protective of our town. It might be the most reasonable opinion she's shared with the council in years. Danny looks thoughtful. As we can all see, the mayor has a high opinion of Miss Rawlins. That's good enough for me. All eyes in the room turn to where Juniper sits, with Flash's head nestled in her lap. A low murmur ripples through the crowd. Becky Flutter clicks her pen and looks over the proposal. I've heard everyone's opinions, and I'm wondering if it will ease your concerns, Ernestine, if we offered Ms. Rollins a job? Fate is part near broke, Councilwoman Flutter, Ernestine replies. Juniper stands up and says, I'll do it for free. Whatever job you want to call it, I'll do it. My heart explodes and breaks at the same time. I have never been so proud of anyone in my life. It's then that I know. I love her. I will always love her. She is my person. Danny motions to call for a vote, and everyone agrees that they need a minute to discuss the terms while Juniper is not in the room. Danny asks her to step outside, to which she agrees. Y'all don't need me in here. I'll go with her. I stand and go to her, but Danny stops me. According to the town charter, the mayor, or the voting entity representing the mayor, in your case, needs to vote in case there is a tie. I scrub my hand over my face. Danny, you know there ain't gonna be any tie. I spit the words out. Anyway, it's a conflict of interest for me to vote on my girlfriend's employment. Juniper melts into me. Good. I'm glad she's not uncomfortable with that title, even though I just sprung it on her. Danny flips through the charter and says, actually, not in the case of a volunteer. Ms. Rollins, we'll just be a minute and someone will call you back in after we've voted. I escort Juniper to the side door, hand her Flash's leash and kiss her forehead. Take Flash. This should just take a minute. She nods and kisses me on the cheek. I'll be fine. Chapter 12 Juniper Flash strains on the leash, which is unusual for him. What's the matter, boy? You need to potty? That, or he might want to play with the kids on the playground. Either way, I decide to take him for a walk, not a long walk, just around the elementary school. I'm excited when I pass by the playground, thinking about what's about to happen. This may be a tiny town with not much going on, but those kids seem content and happy. I turn left, and Flash seems to calm down, if still a bit whiny. Flash's agitation rises once again when we circle back to the street, though. Well, go if you need to go, buddy. While I'm struggling with Flash, I miss the sound of a car approaching. I neither hear nor see anything unusual until it's too late. Hands grab me. I yelp in surprise, flash snarls and barks. Out of the corner of my eye, I see it. The flame job on a black car, its engine rumbling, its headlights off. Tough to see at dusk, away from the playground lights. I scream and spit. Hands, feet, fangs, and fur fly, and for a minute, I think I'm gonna get away from Jimmy Earl. The next thing I know, my attacker has Flash's leash knotted around my wrists, and he's using the remaining length to fling me into the Cadillac's backseat. The door closes, locking me in. I'm not worried about the restraints. The dumbass Jimmy Earl wouldn't know the difference between a slipknot and a sheepshank. What I'm concerned about is that he's removed the rear door locks. Slow down, you idiot! You're going too fast! You're gonna hit somebody! Jimmy Earl ignores me and instead cranks the stereo, taunting me with the music, that music, the song that played at my and Roy's wedding. Have you lost your mind? But Jimmy Earl can't hear me. I knew it was all too good to be true. I should have known the second I started to feel safe that something terrible would happen. The car slows at a barricade blocking Main Street. What the hell? Detour? What for? I look up and I see a traffic sign redirecting traffic down Ivy Street. I say nothing, even though I know that doesn't make sense. Ivy Street doesn't circle back to Maine, but jogs west and will take us out to the country. Getting lost in the sticks with Jimmy Earl is not my favorite idea at the moment, and I start to panic. But then we approach another street closure, with traffic signs indicating we head back south toward downtown. What the hell is going on in this town? I think back to something Rex told me. Sheriff Mooney can be a little nutty with his schemes, but now I want to hug the man. With a surge of hope, I tell Jimmy Earl to just follow the signs. We'll get there. He snorts. Get where? How the fuck do I get back to the highway? I keep him talking and letting him think I'm rooting for him, all the while working on untying the leash that constricts my wrists. This doesn't take much effort, but he doesn't need to know that. I reach into my purse and pull out the 38. Pressing the steel against the back of Jimmy Earl's greasy head, I'm as calm as I've ever been. Because this is not the end for me. Now listen, Jimmy Earl. In about 60 seconds, you're going to see a sign for the curiosity spot. And you're going to pull over in that driveway, and we are going to wait there for the police. Jimmy Earl scoffs. Or what? I don't know if you noticed, but I have a gun to your head, dipshit. You ain't gonna shoot me. You ain't got it in you. But you do have something I want. I cock the gun. I don't have anything that belongs to your brother except this gun. He laughs. You misunderstand me, sweetheart. I need the title to this car. What? Why would I have the title? Because the car is in your name. Roy couldn't get the loan to finance it, so you had to co sign. That was so long ago, I'd forgotten. That's why you grabbed me? Why didn't you just ask me? Oh, I'm also gonna take you home and make you, uh, work off Roy's background. The sign for the curiosity spot is illuminated and the headlights up ahead. There it is. Now pull over. I think not. Pull the fuck over, Jimmy Earl. How about you shut the fuck up? God damn! I know why you and Roy fought so much. He didn't have the balls to put you in your place. But don't worry, sweetheart. I'll show you how to behave. To shoot the driver of the car I'm riding in is ill advised, but I see red. Those two shots will make my ears ring for days. But at least the ringing drowns out Jimmy Earl's wailing as the car careens into the big, handmade wooden sign. The car crashes through the sign, wood splintering, the front end slamming down into a ditch. The vehicle comes to a rest when the grill connects with a concrete culvert, and the front crumples halfway like a soda can. No airbags in this old caddy, so thank God for the sheer square footage of Detroit steel. Plus the fact that we weren't traveling fast enough to throw either of us from the car. I'd check on Jimmy Earle, who's still woozy from hitting his head on the steering wheel. That's for the best. Distracting from the gunshot wounds in his legs. Well, look at that, Jimmy Earle. The curiosity spot. Your wife always said you were no good with directions. But you finally found it. Chapter 13, Rex. Really, I'm fine. My Juniper is just the kind of person who will insist she's fine when she's not. But she's had a long night. The kidnapping and shooting got the feds' attention, who also learned that the state troopers in Nebraska were looking for Juniper. After giving her witness statements on Roy's death, plus her account of the dust-up with Jimmy Earl, my girl looks tired. I could see that for myself if the dog would move out of the way. I grumble. In the emergency room, the nurses and doctors have all assured me that my Juniper is fine. a Couple of bumps and bruises, but not a scratch otherwise. Juniper is also intent on going home. To our home. But I need to check her over myself. Flash, get down. I order. But the dog is firmly planted on Juniper's lap as she sits up in the ER bed. Juniper scratches him behind the ears and says, It's okay, Flash, we're going home now. Hearing the word home, Flash hops down and goes to the door, looking back at us expectantly. I check Juniper's forehead for any new bumps that the doctor might have missed. Rex, she laughs. What? You might have a fever, too. You never know what infections you can pick up in the ER. I say defensively, I've already been discharged, and I'm sure they need the bed. Let's go. Juniper refuses to use a wheelchair that the hospital provides, so I have only one other choice. I sweep her up in my arms and carry her to the car. She rolls her eyes but snuggles tight against me. On our way out, we run into Sheriff Mooney, who's talking to the two deputies standing guard at Jimmy Earl's exam area as he awaits surgery. Is he in pain? My juniper is too forgiving for that piece of shit. I can't stand it. Fuck that guy. I mutter. Sheriff informs us that the doc says Jimmy Earle should make a full recovery from the two shots in his legs. As long as the county presses charges, he'll likely be stuck in the county jail at least until he enters a plea. Seeing as we have almost no crime in fate, This is the most excitement the county attorney has had in a while, so you can count on it. Juniper's arms around my neck tighten as she replies. He's lucky I didn't shoot him in the nuts. I need to get my girl home, but I'm also curious about something. Sheriff, any reason all those streets happen to be closed off tonight? Sheriff Mooney rubs the back of his neck sheepishly. I didn't want to spook our girl by telling her the feds were looking for her. You seemed to lack like her so much, so I decided she needed to stay. Then when I heard her car park came in, well, I, I figured I had no choice. I shake my head and mutter about our crazy town. Wouldn't be the first time, won't be the last. My juniper notices my silence for the entire ride back to fate. I know what you're doing, Rex. You're beating yourself up because you weren't there. Don't. I let her talk, and I hear what she's saying. But the truth is, that's only part of the reason why I'm upset with myself. When I think back on the woman I knew a few days ago, so untrusting and scared, I can't believe where we are now. I shouldn't have left you alone, I tell her, as she sinks into a hot bath, her hair piled on top of her head. I should have been there. Juniper starts to contradict me again, but I have to insist she lets me finish what I'm saying. But mostly, I'm beating myself up because of what I should have said before all that happened. I wanted to tell you that I love you. I blew out a long breath. I've never said that to anyone, not even to Flash. It feels good to say it. Feels right. I'm proud of you, and I love you, Juniper. She looks up at me and replies, I have something to say, but first, get your ass in the tub. I scoff. I'm too big. Juniper mimics Ernestine's scolding voice. Now, young man, you get in this tub. Don't make me say it twice. I laugh at her imitation as I stand and shuck my clothing. Noticing how her eyes drift down to my hardening limb between my legs. When Juniper sees me judging how to maneuver, she reaches up and pulls me down on top of her roughly, sending a tidal wave sloshing onto the tile floor. I forget about the mess. Easy to do when I'm rolling around in a tub with my soft, wet, warm Juniper. I kiss her lips, then sweep my mouth down her body until I've captured one nipple between my lips. I tease and taste as she talks, one nipple, then the other. The fact is, you are with me. You were with me the whole time. This makes me pause my attention to her breasts and pay closer attention to her eyes. Her pupils look fine when I lift one eyelid to examine them. You sure those doctors checked you for a concussion? Stop it, she says, slapping my ass. I mean it. After I met you, I found my badass self. I got myself out of a jam because you helped me learn how to trust myself. This woman... She's given me too much credit, but I love her for it. Your badass self was there the whole time. With or without me, you would have been okay. She smiles, but she doesn't disagree. Juniper raises one eyebrow and adds, I do have to thank Sheriff Mooney for putting up the barricades when he heard my car park came in. Bless his heart. He must have been worried I would skip town as soon as he fixed my car. I do love him so. When she says that, I can't help but react. I swivel her body in the water so her back lies against my chest, then reach down and spread her open with my greedy fingers. Rex, she says, inhaling sharply. Who do you love? I growl. She smiles and closes her eyes, letting her head fall against my chest as I massage her folds. Hmm. What? As I continue working over her soft center, she arches upward and lets out a luxurious moan, tempting me to cup one breast. I find her clit, and she does that cute squeak thing that I love so much. This down, she says, nearly breathless. Keep pushing me, woman, I rumble in her ear. Mm. Flash. My fingers massage around her clit, and her muscles tighten and relax in her first release. You, she breathes. I love you and I'm staying forever. Just be warned. I'm a terrible housekeeper. My arms come around her middle, and I hug her tight to me, kissing her neck, her hair, her back. Flash chooses that moment to trot into the bathroom and licks up the spilled water from the tile. It's all right, I say. mister Mayers, got your back. This has been Roadside Attraction by Abby Knox. Read for you by Ramona Master.
1: Welcome back. Hey. Well, that was it. Make sure you go enter to win. Grab all the books. Do all the things. Everything will be in the show notes. Don't forget, you can always, when you click on the podcast, you can click send yourself the episode description. And it will give you all the links in the show notes right there to that email. so it. helpful.
0: Up next week, we've got A.M. Johnson with Into Elysium, and I am so excited because she was one of our, like, super eager authors this year that was really excited to be on the podcast. She's so sweet. She's, like, sent us everything early, and it's just like, here's this, here's this, what else do you need? Like, she's just thrilled to be on it, and I love that excitement. She turned her book in, like, in June, I mean Damn. like that Like the June 4th I have it on the calendar When she turned it in She was so excited And I I love that She's so happy To be here with us And be a part of the podcast That just means a lot So we're super excited About her next week And thanks again to Abby We love you So join us next week Tell them what to do Fuck your day up Make say your, your bitch Don't be a dick Bye guys Bye Read me romance Read read me romance Read me romance